Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, guys, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Paradox. I'm Jimmy. To Paradox. I'm Josh. And you guys, if you've listened to more than, say, three of these episodes, you probably get sick of us doing that every time we start the show. I think it's highly important we introduce ourselves. I just don't want to wait for you. To say, welcome to Paradox, I'm Josh. I just want to jump in. I like to mix it up every once in a while, mm -hmm. from time to time. You know, I'm Paradox, this is Josh. You know, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot different. <laughs> By the way, what? I was just going to say, this is our last episode for four to six weeks. Yes. Our last one new that we're dropping. Right. We'll be dropping old episodes. but Not old. They're the greatest <laughs> hits. So we're going to be taking a break for February and part of March. And we're doing that so you can go to Kentucky duck hunting. Yeah, I'm going duck hunting with uh, buddy Ben Martin. <laughs> Splash. Buddy from Howard Payne University. Stingham Jackets win. The big band in the big country. What do you say? <laughs> the top brand in the big country. That's Cisco Junior Cisco College. Cisco Junior College. And the Cisco High School Lobo Band, a little band with a big thing called pride. So Howard Payne, Stingham, we knew each other there and have kept in track now for 15 and years Ben, or so. And Ben, he's like, he's homeless and on drugs, right? That's, he he really a took a turn. He is a vice president at, Howard, at the Howard Payne University. They let a homeless drunk to have that position? It's pretty crazy. That's crazy. So we are driving to Kentucky. I'm hunting maybe... Thursday night, potentially, but all day Friday, and then Saturday morning, and then flying back. Oh, you're flying back? Flying back to be at my son's dedication and teaching a Sunday school class on Sunday. Now then, are you just saying you're duck hunting, or are you just doing bourbon distillery tours the entire time you're in <laughs> Kentucky? But you know how travel can be tricky this time of year. Yes. Everybody needs to pray that I make it back for my son's dedication. I know. That'd be so bad. It would be very bad. And then I don't know what the Sunday school class would do. You, I would step in. What are you going to talk on? That doesn't matter. Preparation versus protection? Possibly. What an intriguing <laughs> subject. So we got an email a week or two ago about homeschooling. There was a mom, and this family has felt called to homeschooling, but they've had complaints regarding them being overprotective right. and not doing enough preparation for their kids to then enter adulthood in this cold, You might even world. say that... They were fearful. They were accused of being fearful parents as opposed to fearless, fearless. parents. That brings me back. When I got this email, I, I immediately, well, I responded a couple of weeks later because I struggled to check this email address, but I said, oh my gosh, great topic. We'll do it. But then I immediately rolled my eyes because I'm like, this is exactly what Jimbo's book is Hello. About. And he's going to get 20 minutes to talk everything fearless parenting. Yes. <laughs> Today, I feel as though I'm going to quote myself more than Dobson. than Dobson. Maybe not, but I'm getting that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. the issue. And, and, and by the way, great email, great issue. It really is. I mean, I think it's a very timely issue. We should protect our children. 
when they're toddlers, you don't just say, hey, why don't you trot down to the park and I'll see you at dusk? You don't do that. So there's a proper level of protection. But when do we begin to overprotect and underprepare? Again, the whole idea behind fearless parenting was we can be fearless parenting if we spend all that time preparing them. So an illustration that I use, and it's a true story, there was a a couple that came in to the Timothy Center, to our counseling office, and they said that they were pulling their daughter out of the public schools because they had like a science teacher or something use profanity in the classroom. And that was it. They're pulling them out. We're yanking them. It's not that we should really love to put our kids into a room where someone uses profanity. But if someone, if, if we have a child that is in the eighth grade and they've been to church since nine months before they were born and they have been to vacation Bible schools and Sunday schools and they've been to retreats and camps and by the time they get to the eighth grade, they're, they're, they're in the junior, uh, they're in the youth department and they're hearing church sermons and they're hearing youth sermons and small groups. This kid has had a lot of Bible put into him. Are we thinking that because some science teacher drops a curse word that their faith is going to fold like a cheap suit? Is that what we think? Are we, are we doing such a poor job in our homes and in our churches that we think that the slightest secular influence is just going to have our kids flock? So I asked her, I said, well, I, get, I understand what you're saying, but what, what would it be like if every Christian family pulled their kids from the public schools, every one of them, and there was not a Christian left? What would you do? I mean, what would that look like? What would the public schools look like? And would, be, would we be fulfilling our calling to take the gospel into all the world if we did that? So that's sort of the problem. And it's, 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 it's hard to really quantify as well as even qualify exact examples of what we're talking about. Correct. So we're not going to get super example-oriented on protection versus preparation. Not getting in the weeds. Not in the weeds. But I ain't like weeds. If you picture like a graph... Like when they're, when they come out of the womb, it's like a hundred percent protection. And with few, with some examples, right. Or with some exceptions when they're 18, it's like 0% protection. Again, some exceptions, we don't want them breaking the law. And so we're not going to want them to go to things where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a drug party. But if they're not calling their own moral shots by then. Correct. We're in trouble. So out of the womb, a hundred percent protection 18-ish, zero, and the continuum just yes. slides. They say that parenting is an 18-year process of deparenting. The thought of pulling all the Christians out of school and pulling them, I'm only going to go to on a Little League team that is sponsored by the church. Or I'm The problem with doing that is this, this, was, this was all tried before. Monasticism where there were monasteries, where all the monks and they had all the Bibles and the parchments and they were behind these thick castle walls and all the Christians were segregated from society. There was a reason that this was called the Dark Ages. It didn't work then and it doesn't work now. Fear leads us to segregate our children in a lot of ways to overprotect them. Again, I I use the example of if you had 
a young lady and it was her high school graduation party and you just went, oh my gosh, this, you've just got to meet Lily. I mean, she's just the most perfect child. She's, she's never used a cuss word. I don't think she's ever heard one. In fact, I'm, I'm saying the word cuss word now and I'm not sure she even really understands what I'm saying. She's uh, never, never kissed a boy of sex. My Lord, she doesn't even know the biology of it. And she's never seen an R-rated movie of any, not PG-13. If it is not animated, if it's not a veggie tale, basically, she hasn't seen it. Therefore, we're so proud she's never really committed any sin whatsoever in her entire life. And all of you are probably here at the party wondering, how did we do it? We're such fabulous parents. How can you raise a child just like Lily? Well, if you want your child never to sin ever, we've kept Lily locked in the basement since she was four. And we fed her through a little slot in the door. And you know what? She's never done any of these things that all the other kids are doing. Well, who gives a rat's rump if Lily hasn't sinned if she's never had a chance to sin? That's not the point. The point is not to lock them in chains and throw them under the bed and let them out when they're in their early 20s. Paul David Tripp, in his book, Age of Opportunity, talks about how much time and effort we take trying to keep our kids out of the boxing ring with culture, out of the fight with culture, instead of prepare. They're going to get, here's the thing, they're going to get in the ring. They're going to engage culture, or culture is going to engage them, whether it is now or whether it is when they get out of Bible college, but they're going to engage culture. So why don't, instead of spending all this time keeping them away, how about we spend this time preparing them to engage and win. Yeah, because when we when we protect in adolescence, and again, there's some level of protection, but yes. less and less over the years. Boundaries are important for um, adults. When we just protect, ultimately we might achieve the end result of them not having experimentation with drugs or something like mm-hmm. that. But what we're doing is we're weakening them for adulthood. Yes. They're then going to be unable to deal with the culture that's going to knock them upside the head every day when they're adults. Unless, of course, you do the monastery route as a family. You hear all these stories of, you know, a kid that was so sheltered and protected, they go off to college and they just go ape crap. And those stories exist and they're and they're true for some degree. There's got to be a balance. And the younger they are, the more they're protected. The older they get, the more we let them loose. From the moment they're born... Instead of going, oh my gosh, how can I protect this child? We've got to fundamentally change the way we're viewing this. Is the minute they hit the earth, how can I prepare this child? You know, the thought of, oh my gosh, I'm so worried my my son's going to be going to junior high. It's like, well, gosh, you should worry if you're the junior high what my son is going to do, what my child's impact for Christ on that campus is going to be. I don't have one I of a worry as to that secular culture's impact on my child. And I would use you, Josh, as an example. There was never a time, and I know there was that whole three or four years with the heroin mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. was really dark, mm-hmm. but there was... I'm ne- glad I gained all my weight back. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was really sort of healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a little too much, but there was never a time... And I don't mean that you were perfect, that you maybe didn't have a beer before you were 21 or whatever. I did not. But there was, I hope not. <laughs> but there seriously, was. Seriously, though. <laughs> there was never a time that I went, oh my gosh, you know, there are some other guys on the football team that drink and do drugs. Boy, I hope Josh did. It didn't even enter my head that you would participate in that. Be, so 
so there ought to, instead of, in fact, there were kids that you hung with that were into everything there was to, to be involved in. And I was so excited you were their friend. I thought that was the coolest thing that you reached out and you hung with those guys. If we start when they're little preparing them. But it goes, you know, it goes against parenting nature. Ruth has a, a friend at the apartments that we live in. He's in third grade. She's in kinder. And he is the nicest kid. He's come over and played with her and JJ when there's no other big kids around. But as soon as there are bigger kids than third grade, he's actually kind of mean to Ruth and JJ. Right, right, right. right. And my instinct is to go, nah, don't hang out with that kid. Because I know what's coming if other kids are around. Mm -hmm. But allowing them that for her to come back dejected and then to be able to work through that with her, mm-hmm. I get, that really goes against our nature as parents. But it's supremely important. Well, muscles have to be ripped before they strengthen. We fall to the solution, and we've, we've said it a couple of times now, but instead of protecting, we prepare. We prepare them. Our kids, and again, here's what I think the church and in our homes we've done a really, really good job of. Most of our kids know what they believe. I think they know that Jesus was the Son of God. I think they, he lived a sinless life, and I think they believe that he died on the cross and he ascended to the Father and that the Holy Spirit is active in the world today. I think they, they know what to believe. <laughs> I would say, I think that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We've got that covered. What we have done a pitifully bad job of is teaching our children why they believe it. Because I think our kids, when they're little, they love, you know, they, oh, I, I did this, and we're learning about the disciples, and da-da-da-da. But then when they get older, they see that their beliefs, because really when they're young, they pretty much do, when they're little bitty. I mean, they just hang out with other kids from church or whatever. And that's just the way people believe. And the older they get, they go, oh my, this is, this is, this is not how other people believe. And so they go, well, why do I? If everyone else isn't, and I'm seeing on television, and I'm uh, in a movie, I mean, what I believe is not really represented anywhere else. They start to challenge, well, why do I believe? Really smart people don't seem to believe this. Why do we? And they got nothing. What they got is, well, I'm supposed to. Well, because the Bible says it. Well, why do you believe the Bible? Because the Bible says I should believe the Bible. We got nothing. And so what I believe the church has failed, and what I, in our homes we have failed, to teach our children why we believe what we believe. And so we, we have to prepare them theologically. We also have to prepare them socially. Socially and emotionally. And if, and if, we, could, if we could define maybe what that looks like, I know I just gave an example, but it's, it's allowing them to participate in social situations that you almost are going guarantee, to guarantee that they're going to get hurt. You know it's coming allowing them to go through those experiences and then being on the other end to help pick up the pieces and make sense of it. And when you've got some kid at school that gets kicked off the basketball team because they found drugs in his locker, instead of, well, you're never being around that, how about we pray for that child? Uh, We pray for his family. And then how about your daughter volunteers to take his homework or, you know, what you reach out to them. You teach your child to minister to people that are struggling, not, oh, my Lord, run for the hills from that evil person. 
And we start from an, from an early, early age. Here's a kid that's a discipline problem in elementary school. Well, how about we pray for him? We pray for his family and do some stuff, you know, maybe to reach out to that child in the elementary school instead of, oh, no, 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 no. If that's a, that's, that's a problem child, we're going to keep our children away because Jesus taught us if there's a sinner, run, run away, stay away from sinners. Don't love them. Don't minister to them. Run from them. So preparing socially, theologically, emotionally, relationally, whatever way, it's allowing them to struggle. Even if you know the struggle's coming, it's allowing the experiences and being able to help think through it with them afterwards. Yep. Real briefly, in our final couple of minutes, we wanted to give you kind of a a, uh, two things to think about, kind of like a pop quiz to kind of for you to figure out if you're overprotecting. For example, where are the outlets that you can buy fearless parenting? What are the various? There's several that didn't make your list of No. Number one, for you, it's kind of a it's a self-assessment. You think about where you're at on on this particular thing. Are you aiming for segregation? Meaning, when you look up, are you guys segregated from everything? People, music, places, entertainment, places. Are you segregated from everything that isn't specifically Christian? The old Christian bubble. Number two. Are you making, and maybe you can speak more to this, Jimbo, but are you, if you really dig into your decision-making as a parent, is it based in fear? Because you cannot swing a dead cat throughout the Old or New Testament without hitting a verse that says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Faith is the opposite of fear. We are not to fear. We are to trust, trust, have faith, have faith. And yet fear dominates. If we're really honest... The vast majority of the parenting and discipline decisions that we make are based on fear. And if it's based on fear, it's not based on faith. So if you're segregated from everything but Christian things, and if you feel like fear is motivating most of your parenting, then potentially you are struggling with Mm overprotecting your kids. Mm -hmm. And so if those two things are point for you or kind of rise up for you that, man, I might be struggling with overprotecting, you know, talk to a friend, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, and try to get help in this area, because we're doing our kids no favors. You know, that was such an intelligent... A couple of sentences there. Mm -hmm. No one knows that you did a joke that fell flat so bad that we had to cut it from the show. (laughs) And then you just hit right back and you just sounded so Mm. intelligent. No big deal. No big deal. If you want more information about this episode, it is paradoxpodcast.com. You can also uh, find information about our previous episodes. You can also find us on our socials there. Anything else that I'm missing? Not a thing. All right. So we will see you, talk to you in about six weeks with new episodes. Enjoy our slightly used ones. See ya. Take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Thank you.